to the next edition of Pop Culture with Beards. I am the guy that's speaking now, and my name is Phil, and I am joined with... Andy, hi. And Mike, how are you? Welcome to you all. No buzz this week, Yeah, where's the... Be excellent to each other. Perfect. Okay, welcome to this particular edition in which we are going to begin our journey by looking at the very, very famous Rage from ABC TV. If you have been in Australia at all over the last 34 years, you will have seen a program called Rage. What is Rage, you ask? Well, what it is, is a fairly uh, simple concept. It is a show which is music videos, which is on mostly or seen mostly on Friday night or Saturday night. It usually starts somewhere around midnight, although it can start earlier or later than that. And it goes through until about six o'clock when the format changed a little. In the past, around that time, they've started to show things like top 50 videos, but even that has changed. The idea is really that more adult material for music videos is shown at those late hours. And then as we come up to the morning, it becomes more sort of mainstream. Now, the interesting thing about Rage, which started in 1987, is that it began in the music video, sort of like the height of the music video era. Um, there was sort of, uh, if you are from after that time, it began at a point when people would actually talk about music videos as though they were almost a new art form. People would sort of get very excited about what was actually really a kind of a clever form of promotion. It was, you know, music videos have always been about promotion, but thanks to things like MTV, it became something a little more. It became something where people, say film directors, could cut their teeth on the idea of music uh, videos. Uh, you could show something of what you're able to do. You'd be given, in those earlier years, a budget by, a, um, by your record company. Believe me, that was not always the case after that point. But there was all sorts of things that you could do with music video and so it was still considered something at, in the sort of 80s as a, uh, I guess, a calling card for people to show what could happen next. And I think that just on that note about how much money about the budget was allocated for the music video was definitely how much the record company had faith in mm -hmm. your product. Um, and obviously, if you're already an established artist, a big name artist, you had to keep going to the next one and then the next one and outdo, outdo what you'd done and before. They became an event, didn't they? Like yeah. The, the yeah. next Michael Jackson video or the next David Bowie production, it was, yeah. uh, it was a big deal. Yeah. Well, Michael Jackson was absolutely one of those. Um, uh, when MTV finally started to play Michael Jackson, um, he became one of those people that set the whole... Um, uh, rate and size and uh, I guess raised the bar, the standard mm. of what the music video was, was uh, he was one of those artists. Um, like, and Madonna, she was another one. Absolutely. And for instance, um, to pick up a, a, maybe an example that isn't as well known by people, because everyone, even if you weren't there, has heard about Madonna and Michael Jackson, a band like Duran Duran would do things like, say, the Hungry... Hungry Like a Wolf video and, you know, be in, in, Sri, in Sri Lanka, <laughs> exactly, and, you know, be out there spending quite a bit of money on 
something usually often with a an either an upcoming or actually a reasonably established filmmaker um, putting together something that is really promoting a three and a half or four and a half minute song you know the song was actually still the point and radio was still a big deal and this was the tv aspect of pushing that particular music to give you that visual yeah representation that sell yeah. visuals and the reason it's worth saying all of this is because that has completely changed mm. you know music is not that anymore it doesn't rely on the images it's but it's a lot more disposable now i think yeah, well, I guess we thought it was disposable then, but what we didn't understand, I guess, in around this sort of mid to late 80s phase was that a lot of things lined up to make it a kind of um, a, a, a really, I guess, a dense kind of um, corporate uh, package was there. It was the band and the radio and the television and the things they sold in stalls. It was all this stuff there to convince you that you needed this thing and as obvious as that may sound it's very different from the world we live in now um of streaming music well that's why i use the word disposable because with with music now people are streaming it they don't so much physically own it like we used to back in the day which it was a a a piece of um was a a vinyl tape cd Mm. whereas now and i think with that your choice when you went to the record store and these records cost quite a bit of money when you're a teenager, especially what you were going to spend that on. And that was a big investment uh, to mm. pay. Let's say th- my area was more CDs than vinyl. So that was, a, that was at least 30 bucks yeah. to, to buy something. And you had to really know which one you wanted and made sure when you made that, cause you're not getting it. <laughs> There's no return policy where it's like nowadays music, as you said, was streaming. It was boom, boom, boom. Well, the thing is that the interesting thing about that older idea of music video is that, it, it was a it was a example, maybe a rare example even, where the the ad for something else was elevated into mm. what we were talking about, its own event and its own thing, mm. and uh, that's why a number of television shows like Rage were invented. Now the thing about Rage on ABC was that it actually started with a indie kind of bent and it really remained there because the ABC saw that more as their job. They saw, you know, independent music, yeah. certainly of an Australian Australian flavour, but other indie type music was what they were there to do. Uh, and I would I think there's even a longer argument to say that it was also maybe the the last days of indie music as we knew it mm, at, at that era so. because uh, fairly soon afterwards it became kind of fused into, everything. you know, yeah, everything became more of a... That late 80s, early 90s, well, probably all throughout the 90s still had that, mm. the, like you say, yeah, I agree. But the thing there is that it was kicked off uh, by uh, Mark Fitzgerald. He was the executive producer and he was pretty well known for working with people like Andrew Denton and made a lot of shows for the ABC, sometimes quite reasonably controversial ones. He and Denton did a lot of that kind of youth programming, and he was one of the people that kicked that off. He and Stephanie Lewis, who was with the show for the first seven years and actually made a lot of the small, sometimes changes, sometimes the larger ones that gave us the formula that uh, we've worked on now. The reason I say formula is that it does have things like um, Friday is generally the day of the new releases and Saturday is the special guest programmer. So the idea is that usually a muso comes in and they get to talk about their favourite artists and we also get to see 
examples of their work. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty successful and consistent formula that we have had there. Um, and the thing about it is that with that sort of thing uh, to watch, what you get is you get a kind of a profile uh, on the Saturdays, I'm thinking here, you get a profile both of perhaps a new artist or a current artist, and you get some idea of the things that influence them, and that can in itself can be pretty interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, you might not you might know that artist, but to know you may actually discover two or three uh, other artists that got them to where they are, and you might find that you are as interested in those people and their work. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. In that you, sense, you have a different view of that, that artist because yeah. they share common Likes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, on that note, I remember uh, when the Beastie Boys came in '94. I want to say '94, '95, mm. and I went and saw them live. Massive fan then, massive fan now. As I know you are, Mike. And they all three of them sat on the couch and played their, as you say, favorite videos. And that, and and it was so eclectic. It mm. was everything from Public Enemy to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And I have to say, before that, I was a bit he- bit hesitant about. Get, you know, listen to Zeppelin, and then yeah. I thought the Beastie Boys, and I went, well, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very influential. And also on the Saturday nights, they would sometimes, if they didn't have a guest programmer, they'd have the in, uh, uh, what do you call it, Mem- uh, memorial? The memorial, yeah. yeah. Yeah, memorial, if someone had passed, and they would show that artist or someone from the, the band's back catalogue. Mm. So. It's, it's kind of bittersweet because it's like, the person has to pass before you get to see a bit of a retrospective yeah. of their career. So and that's happened, you know, quite a lot in the last couple of years. You know, everyone, everyone from Greedy Smith from uh, mm. Mental as Anything to uh, I'm trying to think who else have done everyone from like Jerry Rafferty and um, Eddie Van Halen, all yeah, sorts. David yeah. Bowie, yeah, well, that was a good one. They but do. It's Sorry, a, it's a good tribute. That's all I'd say. Is that the, the fact that they do that? It's awesome. And it's very. And he, sometimes they throw in live TV performances yeah. from yeah. somewhere you've never seen before yeah. in interviews. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. a lot of interviews with them, and then they'll cut to that era. Well, the interesting thing is they also have done things like themed shows where it'll be, which will do the same thing, but that artist may still be alive. But all in all, what's interesting about that is that a chronological representation of someone's back catalogue can actually teach you things you never knew about that artist, particularly if they've been around, say, you know, 30 or more years or some years before you knew who they were, you'll discover, oh, they were like this at this point for like, you know, three records or whatever. They were doing all of this and I didn't really know about that. And that is once again really fascinating and can be quite inspiring. In fact, you may even find that um, you even like more some of the stuff that someone did earlier you know and that you didn't really know existed so all of that stuff is really useful now you were doing something you were talking about some numbers before i think it was you mike you were discussing yeah one point uh well nowadays they uh add their playlists to the abc website Mm. so you can go on a friday and see what's lined up for the friday night session and the uh, guest programmer on the saturday as well as the saturday morning show uh, but back, oh, I suppose it would have been the 90s. Is that right, Andy? Yeah, late, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, You'd they have had to call a, up. a 0055 number. Yeah. <laughs> and for a small fee, you could uh, listen over the phone to hear what the playlist of video uh, music videos were for that. Weekend. And it really was just someone reading off a list. I remember it was one of the 
you know, PAs there, the production assistants just <laughs> sitting there going, you know, uh, Beastie Boys, root down. And then next we've got blah, 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 blah. And then blah, 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 blah. And you, I'd sit there and work out what, when the, what the best time was to sit up and stay up and if, or if I was coming in from somewhere and. How was the phone bill after that? Pretty, yeah, not 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 very popular with my dad after that. But um, or I was also saying earlier on that if I was standing on the phone listening and and I got distracted by something that was going on, I might have missed what I was waiting to hear. So then I'd have to hang up and real dial again. So yeah, it didn't go down too well. So, but I was always uh, really waiting for the, the latest stuff to come out of the UK. His mm. um, massive uh, fan of, of that particular era and and you wouldn't you know it would be months and months before it would come to to dadas or 78s mm. if it came at all uh and then therefore the best way to know if something was out there or if blur or whoever it might have been like i said the beastie boys or the stone roses any of those kind of bands having to know when it was released then this is the only way i would know yeah, this is about being a certain type of music fan in Perth in that era. Yeah. That's the only way to find out. Absolutely. And the thing, the other thing about all of that is that if you didn't have the uh, internet as we have now or didn't want to get on the phone because uh, you're worried about your parents or whatever, <laughs> then uh, you did something that most of us have done, I think, who watch Rage, which is just sit there and wait for the next clip. Yeah. In fact, it's a very common experience for people to say, oh, I'm going to go to bed, but... Yeah. I'll just check out this next one. <laughs> yeah. And then two and a half hours later, you're still there. Yeah. and Or fall asleep and wake back up again and keep going. <laughs> That's yeah. right. So the thing is that it, it obviously, for a lot of us, uh, provided a really interesting and uh, kind of regular background into uh, into understanding what was going on currently mm. and in the past with music we loved. And it was really effective for that kind of reason. One of the other things that they did uh, have, have done for quite a while is that in January they usually have a retro month, which is when they tend to show things like uh, either old episodes or clips from things like Countdown or Rock Arena, which are two ABC uh, sh music shows from the 70s and 80s. Uh, or they would even go back a little further to GTK, Get to Know, Flashes, uh, and uh, or jump into the '90s with things like uh, uh, beatbox and what recovery, recovery. Yeah. Yeah. recovery. They're cool because they're time capsules, aren't they? Those yeah. Shows? yeah, they really well, are. Well, I've got to say to me, '90s, mid '90s on recovery, late uh, '90s. Yeah, well, look, I'll, this is a, a, a slightly controversial remark because for certain people that don't like the ABC, but I believe that that is one of their great functions is that they provide a archive mm. of um, things like that that we can refer to uh, in a way that uh, you just don't tend to find elsewhere. You know, yes, there is the National Sound and Film Archive, which finally has got a bit more money. Let's leave that where it is. But for the ABC to do what it does in that way is useful to us. And that's where I think it actually does something that we can be, you know, dip into and use, um, mm -hmm. you know, as we go along. And it's very good in that way. So that's the sort of uh, rage story in the main. But one of the other things I wanted to just uh, also dip into is that at the same time as rage started in 1987, just scraping around and doing our research for this apparently so did uh, network 10's uh, video hits began it's, that's no longer running um, and so did um, MTV which was the Australian MTV which was hosted by 
um, which was hosted by uh, Richard Wilkins. Now, the interesting thing about those two, those two is that they represented the more uh, corporate side of uh, music. I mean, at the same time as the ABC was doing its indie thing, those shows were really doing the the job of promoting the top 40. The Kylie Minogue's and the Madonna kind of... Yeah, yeah. and so it was like what I guess we think of as the uh, Oz Stereo and the uh, sort of Triple M type of mm. thing. They would be very top 40. Whereas Rage was more Triple J back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And the, th- the thing about those is that once again... When it was good. They were showing a lot of... They were showing... Uh, once again, ads for music, and there were ads within that because they were commercial yeah. stations. Uh, I'm not saying that to knock those things. Um, what I'm really trying to present is that at one point, television was busily pushing music, either of an indie kind or a mm. more commercial kind, on the weekends. So one of the major and things we didn't have to doing, go to school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the major things it was doing, as well as sports, say on a weekend, it was pushing a lot of music videos, mm. which has changed quite a bit. Now, do either of you recall anything you can say about um, uh, video hits was really like like Rage. It didn't have a host, really, apart from, in Rage's case, the guest programmer. So video hits doesn't have a strong identity in terms of having a host. No. It just, you know, regularly on Saturday morning showed a couple of hours of music, and I know I watched it a fair amount. Mm. What about uh, MTV? Do anyone have any memories of what that I, was and how it worked? I remember seeing it. It was, I think it was a Saturday nights might have been. Oh, yeah. On Channel 9. Yeah. And, yeah, Richard Wilk- Wilkins was the host, as you've said. And there was a jukebox sitting behind him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, a lot of that stuff, but as a as a as a kid, it was interesting because it was playing the mainstream stuff, you know, mm. U2 and Sting. Mm. But as a teenager, I, I didn't bother because I, I just I wasn't interested. It. I quite enjoyed it because they'd have visiting artists, you know, sort mm. of uh, spruiking their, their latest release and they'd have a few crazy situations. And one that stands out for me is they had uh, the WWF wrestling superstars. Oh, yeah. And... Um, they got uh, Richard Wilkins in the ring and uh, did a, a pile drive on him and just about uh, broke his neck. <laughs> that was Jeez. called him Big Dick, uh, Richard Wilkins. <laughs> get Big Dick in the ring. Um, oh, so, yeah. As a, much as I don't like the guy, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah, had, had, its, had its fun moments. But, yeah, on, on the whole, it was just really uh, you know, just a, um, a clip show, I guess, where he would link it with a bit of mu- music news and, and yeah. interviews. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was very uh, middle of the road yeah. compared to, again, back to Rage where, and I, my understanding is from a couple of acts that would come, they loved it because they didn't get interviewed, they didn't get asked stupid questions, they just got to talk about or introduce. If they didn't want to say much, they didn't have to. They could just get the, you know, people like the Chemical Brothers or Primal Scream and they just like, look, my favourite band growing up was, um, uh, you know, Sex Pistols, his. Yeah. You know, this this changed my life, and here's this video for you. And usually, they'd probably go maybe two or three in a row uh, of yeah. things, and then it would come out, and it'd either go back to the artist or it'd go back to another band member. So, yeah. well, the thing is, particularly back in the day, if you're 18 years old and you love a particular band, mm. you didn't have sort of Spotify to help you find no, those mm. those influences. Good point. Things That's like a really that. good point. Yeah. You know, you actually had to buy everything. 
until that fateful day when Napster arrived, but we'll talk about that another time. Mm, um, it's another one to talk about later. It definitely is. But the thing is that you would then be put onto those influences and could track them down. Uh, I was just going to say one more thing about uh, MTV briefly, is it was actually also the place where they had a whole backlog, because it started in 87, of those little kind of interstitial moments from you know, the original MTV, uh, the things that they would show before ads and this sort of thing. And so that was the place we got to saw, see those things because there was no YouTube for us to see those things on. And that was a place for us to catch up with those kind of little things as well. So there were some, there were some fun things that were going on in MTV. Uh, however, you know, it actually ended up both that and video hits were around a lot, but probably did not have quite the same sort of impact uh, as something like Rage did. Yeah. Now, yeah. you look like you were going to say something. Yeah, the right? only thing I'd like to add is, I guess, people in Australia know Molly Meldrum, who yes. is like, uh, I don't know, the, the guru when it came to um, music in the 70s and 80s. And he uh, ran a show called Countdown. Uh with Rage, their collection of videos at last counts about 46,000 videos. Good music grief. videos that they've got in the vaults. And so if you ever watch a show, they have these massive, like, um, ring binders of, uh, hmm. of printouts with the, the videos. And so you'll see the, the act saying, oh, this is the next video is this. And then they'll, they'll sort of look at it in the book. But the interesting thing to note is that a lot of the videos that they've got in the vaults is pretty much thanks to Molly Meldrum because during the countdown years, he would always request a copy of the clip and then mm. they'd get to keep it in the ABC archives. So a lot of the... Good on you, Molly. The reason, yeah. Absolutely. have got all this like gold in the vault is uh, harks back well, for the 70s and 80s back to the countdown days. And wasn't there something you were, you were talking about? They... That's all free, but there was something where they wanted to start charging for the... There was a short yeah. time, I think it was um, like the late 90s, early 2000s, that the record companies um, got tough and they started imposing a fee for any music videos that were going to be screened on Rage. So Rage actually closed down for a good, I think it was about six months or more. Mm. It's a bit of a stalemate between ABC and the record companies and in the... It, Inevitably, the record companies relented and uh, allowed to Rage to, to show the stuff free of charge. So, thankfully, that happened. Otherwise, mm. we could have lost this institution that is Rage. Rage. Well, I think it's great that um, they finally relented so that ABC could then show the basic ads for their product. Thank you. We'll see you on the next episode of Pop Culture with Beards. <laughs>